Good morning. Today is Monday, the 13th day of Tevis. In today's Chumash reading, the second in the Parsha Vayechi, we're reading about the end of Jacob's life, the last 17 years he spends together with his entire family, with love, with peace and harmony in the family, living in Egypt. And as he approaches the end of his life, he calls over Yosef and full of emotion says, I didn't even expect to ever see you alive. Here I am not only seeing you, but I'm seeing your children as well. And we have a very moving scene where Jacob is together with his grandchildren and wants to bless his two grandchildren, Menashe and Ephraim. Menashe being the older one would typically have grandpa's right hand on him. Ephraim would have the left hand. But mysteriously, Jacob, when the two children are brought in front of him, crosses his hands, putting his right hand on Ephraim his left hand on Menashe. And if there's anyone that should know the dangers of favoring one child over the other, it is indeed Joseph. And Joseph corrects his father. His father is difficult to see at this point in his life. And he corrects him gently and says, Dad, he's the older. He should have the right hand. To which Yaakov says, I know my son. I know. But there's reason for which I'm doing it this way. And he insists on putting his right hand on Ephraim, which is very puzzling. And the commentators say that one day, the great ruler Joshua, who is the successor to Moshe, is going to indeed come from Ephraim, which is why he got the prominent right hand. Nonetheless, the reader is left wondering, why was it really necessary to cross their hands? Fortunately, we see no sibling rivalry at this point between the two brothers. After an entire book of Genesis full of such rivalries, nonetheless, we are all still left with the question, why? What does Menashe represent? What does Ephraim represent and why here would Menashe be the older and yet the right hand goes on Ephraim? And the Rebbe brings a very moving explanation and he says, keep in mind that these were the two children for the first time born in Egypt. It would be almost like being born in America, away from the old country, away from the shtetl. They are not born with the rest of the family in Israel. They are raised in Egypt in modernity, with their father as the viceroy in a very different set of environment than all of the other grandchildren of Jacob. And in a sense, that was what made them so special, that despite the fact they grew up in Egypt, they retained their connection to their faith, to their Judaism, which is why they are raised to such a high status in Judaism up until today. Around the Shabbat table, parents will typically bless their children to be like Ephraim and Menashe. But within these two children, each represent a different path to maintaining our connection to our Judaism, even if we are in modernity and even if we are a minority. Menashe in Hebrew means God made me forget all of my youth. That word nashani means to forget. Ephraim, on the other hand, means Hashem has caused me to be fruitful in this new land when he was in Egypt achieving the success that Joseph did. Comes along the Rebbe and says, these are the two paths. In calling his first son Menashe, Yosef is alluding to that by acknowledging this thread of forgetting the past, you're actually giving yourself a constant reminder of who you are and where they came from. Yosef is saying in Egypt, it is inevitable that we will forget. We're going to have children who never saw Jacob, who was never in the land of their forefathers, Children who are not growing up in this vibrant Jewish environment that is saturated with holiness. It's that constant reminder we are not in our natural habitat. We are missing something important. We are forgetting who we are. He wasn't accepting this apathy. He was actually fighting it by naming his son 
forgetfulness, he was actually ensuring that he never forgets. Menashe could therefore be called the child of nostalgia. You know, it's a model of education that many people still do when they talk to their kids about the good old days and how we weren't spoiled and what life once was. Jewishly, what would that mean? It would mean when we talk to the kids about the old country, about the shtetl, about what life was like when Jews were in a natural Jewish environment. It's telling great stories of Jews that once lived and their piety and their holiness. It is when we talk about all the generations that came before us and we say we must continue on the tradition because they are passing on the torch to us. Never forget where we came from. It is an education model that is very much based on memory. Ephraim, on the other hand, Hashem has made me fruitful over here. That right here in 2023 in America, the Torah is as relevant today as ever before. And we can utilize everything in the world from technology to our creativity to bring holiness to our environment now. There's no reason to be nostalgic, certainly not apologetic or insecure about our Judaism because the Torah is as fresh as ever, mitzvot are as relevant as ever, our faith challenges us today as much as ever, and that our Judaism really speaks to the deepest needs and truth of life today. Menasha, nostalgia, Ephraim, creativity of today. Menasha is the dangers of today. Ephraim is the opportunities of the day. Which path is right? Of course, both of them. Nonetheless, Menasha must come first. He is the firstborn because Ephraim embraces Egypt without appreciating where he came from and its dangers and its traps. He is bound to end up confused. You have to have a foundation where you came from. That is why Menasha is first. Nonetheless, Ephraim gets the right hand because ultimately the child must believe that it's not about the past, but it is about the present. I don't have to play defense, but I can be on the offensive, transforming this modern world into Fatai tiftah